Hello, and welcome to the Kitchen Sinks Friday Brief for 28 January 2022. I'm Klein Kitchen. Thank you for being a subscriber. Today we'll discuss China's Olympics app is pure spyware, preparing for cyber spillover, and simulating tomorrow's reality. Be sure to check out the email as well, where you can find a lot of other great content, along with links to all of the referenced articles and reports. Okay, let's get started. Our first story is China's Olympics app is pure spyware. What's new? Cybersecurity researchers say the My22 mobile app, the official app of the Beijing Winter Olympics, has serious security vulnerabilities and that, quote, all Olympian audio is being collected, analyzed, and saved on Chinese servers, end quote. Why this matters? The Chinese government is mandating all Olympic athletes, coaches, and attendees use the My2022 app, and as of Thursday morning, the app is still available in the Apple and Android U.S. app stores, where Americans can download it as well. Key points. The Chinese government says My2022 was developed by the Beijing Organizing Committee for the 2022 Olympics and records show that it was owned by the state-controlled Beijing Financial Holdings Group. The app's public capabilities include COVID-19 health monitoring, GPS navigation, and numerous tourism recommendations. Citizen Lab researchers, however, demonstrate that the app has, quote, a devastating flaw where encryption protecting users' voice audio and file transfers can be trivially sidestepped, end quote. John Scott, A mobile and IoT security researcher specializing in malware, spyware, and forensics has also done a complete breakdown of the app and is raising alarms. Of special concern is Scott's discovery that My22 is built using voice recognition and processing technology from iFlyTech, a Chinese company that is blacklisted in the United States because of gross human rights violations. iFlyTech's capabilities allow the app, according to Jonathan Scott, to conduct continuous voice monitoring. Here's what I'm thinking. First, no one should be surprised. Beijing has not been secretive about its desire to have and to use all data within its reach. For years, the Chinese government has enacted laws that ensure it has unfettered digital access, and every Chinese company has been put on notice that anything less than full compliance with these government mandates will result in massive fines executive imprisonment, and even being shut down completely. The only thing surprising here is that anyone believed the CCP would not want to strictly control the Winter Olympics and to seize the opportunity of hoovering up the deluge of data that will be created by the Games. Second, this could and should have been avoided. Both Apple and Google will tell you they have thousands of app submissions to their stores every day and that it's impossible to do a deep dive on every one of them. But My2022 isn't just another app. It's an app developed by a state-run company for the Chinese government and mandated for every single Olympic participant. It collects tons of personal data, and it should have been prioritized and examined with a fine-tooth comb. Even after outside researchers raised concerns about the app, it has remained in both companies' app stores where Americans can download it, potentially compromising them as well. And even after the Citizen Lab report and the research by Jonathan Scott, the Apple Store still claims that the only data My2022 can connect to users is their contact information. 
Finally, third, capitulating to the Chinese invites U.S. regulations. The games in Beijing begin on February 4th. The day before, the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee is scheduled to mark up the Open Apps Market Act, a bill that would require tech companies to relinquish control over how users add applications to their devices. Now, I don't like this bill, and I'm on record explaining how laws like this one would actually compromise our individual and corporate cybersecurity. But failures like the My 2022 app, especially if Apple and Google do not take decisive action before the games, completely undermine any assertion that these companies oppose opening up their app stores over security concerns. While I believe that capitulation to the CCP does not justify the United States cutting its own cybersecurity throat, there's no denying that these companies are severely undermining their credibility. Apple and Google will need to explain themselves specifically, publicly, and convincingly if they want any hope of mitigating the justified frustrations of policymakers and the general public. And now our second story, preparing for cyber spillover from Ukraine. What's new? As the situation along the Russia-Ukraine border continues to evolve, government officials and private sector leaders are preparing for possible cyber spillover. Why this matters? Previous Russian cyber operations that began in Ukraine have caused billions of dollars in damages around the world, and the prospect of escalating hostilities in the region raises the specter of even more trouble to come. Key points. The United States has responded in writing to Russia's insane list of demands, and reportedly, Washington said, nah, though the U.S. letter has not been publicly released. Meanwhile, Russian troops continue their exercises along Ukraine's border with Russia and Belarus, and the Biden administration is ordering more than 8,500 troops on alert for a rapid deployment to Europe. Relatedly, the Department of Homeland Security issued a memo to law enforcement warning that Moscow may execute cyber attacks against the United States if things go sideways, and CISA, DHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also warned American companies of these concerns. A growing list of companies are now reviewing their ties in Ukraine and those of their key vendors, according to the Wall Street Journal, as they seek to bolster their resilience to Russian attacks online. The Wall Street Journal says this, quote, The worst-case scenario, cybersecurity experts warn, would be escalating breaches that mimic the 2017 NotPetya attack on Ukrainian accounting firms, that allowed hackers to rampage across other corporate networks, eventually causing an estimated $10 billion in global damages, end quote. Here's what I'm thinking. First, this is getting serious. Last year's annual threat assessment by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence states, quote, Russia continues to target critical infrastructure, including underwater cables and industrial control systems in the United States and in allied and partner countries. As compromising such infrastructure improves, and in some cases can demonstrate, its ability to damage infrastructure during a crisis. The report also observes, quote, Russia almost certainly considers cyber attacks an acceptable option to deter adversaries, control escalation, and prosecute conflicts, end quote. So what does this mean? It means Moscow has the ability to execute devastating cyber attacks in the West and that we are entering a scenario where it might actually choose to do so. 
The actions of DHS, CISA, and industry demonstrate such concerns are well-founded. Finally, spillover happens. Like a biological virus, digital viruses and other malware can be hard to contain. Interconnected networks and broadly deployed core hardware and software can allow an attack to quickly spread beyond its intended targets. That means Russia could conduct an attack aimed squarely at Ukraine, but its consequences could go well beyond that country, possibly pulling other nations into a conflict and climbing up the escalation ladder. If such spillover occurs, it will be doubly important that all involved watch their step. Our third and final story is synthetic simulations of tomorrow's realities. What's new? Joe Robinson at Wired has an interesting article on how simulation technology can help predict the biggest threats. Why this matters? Quoting from the article, traditional analysis tools are poorly equipped to predict and respond to these blurred and intertwined threats, says Robinson. Instead, in 2022, governments and militaries will use sophisticated and credible real-life simulations, putting software at the heart of their decision-making and operating processes, end quote. Here are the key points. The article cites the Brits' development of a digital backbone for their Ministry of Defense that integrates cloud computing, advanced analytics, and a new capability called Single Synthetic Environments, or SSE. SSEs leverage artificial intelligence and machine learning, distributed systems, and cutting-edge modeling to make detailed simulations of the real world. The idea, then, is that military strategists and warfighters can use these synthetic environments to predict, understand, and plan for future challenges. Quote, National security officials will be able to use SSEs to identify threats early, understand them better, explore their response options, and analyze the likely consequences of different actions. They will even be able to use them to train, rehearse, and implement their plans. By running thousands of simulated futures, senior leaders will be able to grapple with complex questions, refining policies and complex plans in a virtual world before implementing them in the real one, end quote. Here's what I'm thinking. This stuff is real, but not quite ready for showtime. Robinson's article is interesting and well worth the read. And while SSEs and other advanced modeling capabilities continue to progress, I'm not as excited as the article suggests we should be. It's true that these SSEs can be highly detailed and very useful generally. But to be an actual digital representation of the real world, they require volumes of real-world data that we simply do not have. That's not to say these tools have no utility or that they will never realize their full promise. As 5G and follow-on network upgrades enable a real Internet of Things, we'll move closer to truly representative SSEs, and that will be a massive improvement for everyone from military leaders to city planners. Until then, though, these models are still very much a work in progress. Well, that's it for this Friday Brief. Thanks for listening. And if you think someone else would like this newsletter, please be sure to share it with your friends and followers. Have a great weekend.